Looking for practical information to help you make decisions about your diagnosis, whether DCIS, early or metastatic breast cancer? BCNA's My Journey features articles, webcasts, videos and podcasts about breast cancer during treatment and beyond to help you, your friends and family as you progress through your journey. It also features a symptom tracker to help you manage the changing symptoms you may encounter during your own breast cancer experience. My Journey. Download the app or sign up online at myjourney.org.au. Let's be upfront about breast cancer in young women. So what's young? Well, in breast cancer speak, it's women aged between 20 and 39. And around two Australian women in this age group are diagnosed every day with the disease. And typically, the cancer is more aggressive because the tumours are more likely to be larger. Now, the number of young women with breast cancer is not on the rise, but the number of those being diagnosed is, which is encouraging because it means more are breast aware and checking themselves. BCNA regularly talks with young women at forums and conferences around the country. These events are a real opportunity to hear about the different challenges that younger women face compared with older women. Some of the challenges that they share with us include career, fertility, body image and premature menopause. To chat about her experience is Sophie Leota, who was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer at age 23. Welcome, Sophie. Hi, thank you for having me. Tell us how you found the lump? Um, So it was just by chance. It was completely random. I was just at home just on a weekday. I was watching TV and I was lying down. I just so happened to, I guess, stroke the side of my right breast. Um, I don't know whether I was reaching up or I I don't know. It was just completely at random and I'd I'd felt it almost automatically. It was about, it was like at a seven o'clock position. So on the side, on the bottom there. Um, and yeah, it was as hard as a golf ball. It was quite large. Um, I'd no, I'd, I'd never felt it before. I don't know how long it'd been it been there. Whether it was a while or the last couple of days. So I'd seen my. I went over to my boyfriend straight away, and he'd never noticed it. Um, and so yeah, automatically that night I booked in to see my GP the next day, just because I, I just I don't know. It just didn't feel right. 23 is actually very young to yeah. be diagnosed with breast cancer. Can you take us through some of the emotions that you felt? Oh, there was a roller coaster of them, and it was kind of like a going back and forth with certain emotions. Um, at the beginning, it was a lot of denial and uh, just disbelief. Well, just because you didn't think it was possible at yeah. the age of 23? Yeah, and I just, I thought I was in a really great place and life was, you know, going good. I just got a promotion at work and, you know, I was living at, it was, yeah, things were just fine. I just thought, no, like there's no way. No one in my family's ever had it. My mum's never had it. I'm too young. Um, so yeah, a lot of disbelief at the beginning and also confusion as well because of, well, not only all of the information that I was now receiving and, and being told, um, just, yeah, it was a lot to take in. And I'd imagine it would have been quite scary too because Very. did you know what it actually meant, especially with so much to look forward to? Yeah. It, yeah, it was definitely really scary. I just – all of a sudden everything I kind of had planned just seemed like a blur and it just uh, kind of not 
it was kind of uncertain. Like I just didn't know what my future was going to be like. Um, yeah, it was really scary. And there was fear of the unknown as well. I didn't, you know, you kind of, when you hear cancer, you automatically think of someone who's really sick and someone who's, I know, frail, just, you know, that someone who's so young and who I haven't ever been exposed to that kind of world. Not, you know, I've never really been around cancer. Yeah, it was the fear of the unknown. Mm. Um, yeah, crazy. <laughs> so it was a stage three breast cancer mm-hmm. and that required a single mastectomy. Yes. And some fairly harsh treatment. Can mm-hmm. you... Yeah, yeah. So a single mastectomy um, and the cancer had obviously spread to my lymph nodes. So I then had the lymph node removal a couple of weeks later. Um, so full auxiliary um, clearance on my right side. Um, and before I started chemo, my surgeon had actually suggested I did some egg retrieval. So two rounds of IVF to preserve my eggs. Um, had you I actually thought about never. children at, at 23? <laughs> all of a sudden you're, you're faced with having to think about, oh, do I want to have children and maybe I might not be able to yeah. and, and it's a discussion all of a sudden that's thrust upon you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been with my partner now for nearly eight years. So there was kind of some talk about children. Like I knew one day I definitely did want to have kids, but I never thought about the possibility, possibility of not being able to have kids. Um, so that came as a huge shock and... Um, very, very grateful I had that opportunity to be able to preserve my eggs. Um, so so you, under, you underwent fertility treatment. So, so what was that process? Um, it was quite straightforward. Uh, so it was just... Um, so I did two rounds, which uh, and a lot of people only get the chance to do one, which was really great. So it was a week of kind of hormones and, and monitoring the eggs until they were big enough and then going under and doing the retrieval. Um, so yeah, I was, I was very fortunate to be able to do that and they were successful as well. So I do have some eggs and embryos um, frozen. <laughs> For safekeeping? For safekeeping, yes, yep. Um, so yeah, that, that was the IVF. That was about a three to four week period before I then started chemo. Okay, so you required 16 rounds of chemo, which is quite brutal, isn't it? Tell us how yeah. you coped with that. Um, well, when I'd first been diagnosed, that was that's what I was most scared about, going through chemo. Um, the first thing that came to my mind was losing my hair, because that's automatically kind of what you think about. Um, yeah, so yeah, 16 rounds, it was, it was really harsh, especially the first four rounds. I did that fortnightly. Um, so that was over an eight-week period. Um, what was harsh about it? Um, everything. Um, the physical changes, mental, I was sick. It was, so I'd, I'd lost my hair 16 days after my first one. (laughs) For someone, for anyone, I think for any woman Mm. losing their hair is emotional. For someone so young, Mm. what, when it came out so quickly, was that, really it was it was distressing yeah it was heartbreaking it like yeah it literally broke my heart <laughs> um even though you were told it was going to happen yeah well, i think 
my doctor even said at one point, oh, there's a chance it might not. Some people it doesn't. And I just, I kind of held on to that a little bit. And then when it started, I'm like, oh, my God, it's happening. Um, yeah, it was really, really heartbreaking. And was that perhaps the real that was trigger the yep. of, oh, my gosh, this is Absolutely. really happening? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, b- beforehand I'd had the surgeries and the IVF. But as soon as that started happening, I'm like, okay, this is real. Like... It's going to be a a tough couple of months. And, yeah, that was 16 days after I'd had my very first one and I was still in for another four four months, three or four months of of chemo. So, yeah, it was – yeah, just so much happened. What were you doing with your days over that period? How did you get through those days? Um, I I was fortunate enough to be able to rest – um, so on the, you know, I think after the first, with the fir- fir- sorry, first four weeks of chemo, for the first week I was sick. I couldn't leave the house, so it was a lot of Netflixing and <laughs> a lot of reading and also blogging as well, um, which I really got into. Um, Did that help you? Do you think? Oh, immensely. In yeah. what way? Um, it was just a release of building up you know, emotions and feelings instead of holding it in and getting angry and or feeling a certain type of way about certain things, I was able to put it out on paper and reflect on it. And, and then as I went along, I could read back on how I would, I used to feel, you know, basically and, and see how far I'd kind of come. And yeah, it was a good release for me. I know every time I'd kind of complain or talk to my boyfriend about something, he'd be like, go and write a blog, go and write about it. Like, cause he knew as well, it was, it was a really good release for me and a way for me to, let out my emotions. And as well as a release for you, did it help those that you love and those who were in contact with you better understand or? I think so, yeah. Yeah, for the people close to me, yeah, it was it was nice for them. For them it was because I couldn't always explain exactly how I was feeling and, you know, explaining something 30 different times to different people gets exhausting. So that was also really good to yeah have that and for them to just relate to them like okay this is how she's feeling and um just also strangers I've I had so many people reach out and um just say they they related to exactly what I said and it just it blew my mind that other people have had the same experiences and felt the same way um other young women have you been able to connect with other young women because quite often we hear that part of the problem is that uh, they don't know anyone in yeah. their age group that yeah. is, has had breast cancer. Yeah, I think if, if it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't have been able to connect, and my blog, I wouldn't have been able to connect with other young women. I think that's how I, they found me and I'd also found them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, as I said, if it wasn't for social media, my blog, I wouldn't have had that opportunity because my, my local hospital where I was going, there was no one who was young. Yeah. I was the youngest that was there. Um, By a long stretch? From what I'd seen, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which and, – and as we know, you face different challenges. Like you are thinking about uh, fertility yeah. and careers yeah. uh, and other aspects. Just on the social media aspect, I noticed that you've posted quite a few mm. photos. So <laughs> with the distressing loss of your hair, you've obviously you're, you've owned it and you've yeah. posted that sort of stuff. Where was the shift – um, I, I don't know. I think it was, I just, 
knew that I wasn't going to get used to it any other way than other to own it and be confident about it and just know that it was temporary. Um, I, also for me, I think another reason why I shared this because I didn't want to see someone on the street one day and they'd be like, oh, get a bit of a shock. So yeah. if them initially seeing it and seeing it firsthand on social media, that got the shock out of the way. But just, I don't, I don't know how this sounds, but just sharing that and getting, you know, such... Uh, positive comments and feed not feedback but just compliments from people it just it really made me feel better and just yeah it, it really built my confidence and sharing my story and being able to help other people as well and, and inspire other people made me feel really really good what were some of the really tough side effects um did you suffer fatigue what was possibly debilitating for you? Um, well, so with the, with the first four rounds of chemo, that was harder than the remaining 12. Um, so with that, it was the... I had the nausea and the fatigue was huge, especially for the first week post-treatment. Um, I had a bit of reflux, but, I yeah, I'd say the fatigue and the nausea was, was the worst. And then once the first four rounds had finished and the remaining 12 of Taxol, it was the fatigue... Um, yeah, definitely the fatigue. And, and following that was the radiation. Mm. That, that was also fairly brutal on you. It was, system. yeah. Um, I, I think I, in comparison to what I've, I've read other stories, I feel like I had it fairly easy in, in comparison to others. Um, Despite having, because you've got scarring... Was it burns? From? I did, yeah. yeah. Yep. So throughout treatment, it was it was fairly good, and then it wasn't until the end that it really kind of burnt up and, and blistered and burned. And <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that wasn't until treatment had actually ended or the last week of it that it had gotten really bad. Um, yeah, and that was that was horrible. I, I definitely didn't expect it. <laughs> I thought I'd gotten away with it and that I wasn't going to get any of the side effects, but I. Obviously, did. And throughout the process, did you feel confident to ask questions? Uh, did you know, was there enough information out there? Did you feel informed? With, did your medical team uh, communicate well with each other? Is there any sort of tips that you've got for someone else that, you know, might arm them better yeah. going through the process? Um I definitely got a lot more confident towards the end. I was very uh, fortunate to have a really great oncology team and team of doctors and nurses around me, um, as well as personal support. I think the best advice I could give and the thing that helped me the most was taking people to appointments with me, um, especially my mum. <laughs> so I know, I know at the beginning there was things that I'd, we'd discussed beforehand that I'd forget about in the appointment and she'd bring up while in there and then the hard questions she would ask that I couldn't. Um, so definitely having somebody go along to things with you mm. helps a lot. And do you find the information that BCNA has on the website, we've got mm. an online tool and the helpline, has that been helpful to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I first kind of realised who BCNA was through all the information kits and pamphlets and the, the brochures I was given at the you know, all my first initial appointments, um, like dealing with breast cancer and how your family can deal with breast cancer. So I, that's how I'd really come to know of BCNA. And those information kits and brochures really helped me a lot. It was 
it was really a lot going to to appointments and hearing all these different words and jargons and slangs and walking out kind of confused and being like, okay, what did, he just, what did she just say? So yeah. it was really amazing to go home, sit down and go through those booklets and actually properly read it and understand what was happening and what, what I was about to go through. Yeah, so you're quite a few months on now mm. and um, you're planning a reconstruction? Yes, yep. Um, so I don't know too much about it at the moment. I will, I'll see my surgeon next month and she'll give me some more info. Um, all I know is I have to wait a year from finishing radiation, um, which was on the January the 8th of this year. So, yeah, next year sometime, um, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, is that, is that something that's really important to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't really bother me too much at the moment having the one boob, um, but yeah, no, it, it definitely excites me. It's definitely something that is, is really important. BCNA's Helpline provides a free, confidential phone and email service for people diagnosed with breast cancer. BCNA's experienced team will help with your questions and concerns and provide relevant resources and services. Call 1800 500 258 or email contact at bcna.org.au. So how do both the, the physical change and the physical effects of your treatment, how has that affected your relationship or has it? It did in a positive way. It brought us a lot closer to uh, my personal relationship with my partner. Yeah, it brought us a lot closer together. Um, even even with friends and family around me. But yeah, in my relationship, definitely brought us together. At first, I was really hesitant and really scared that it wouldn't. Yeah. Um, when making the, deci- the decision for the mastectomy, I was... I just, I kept asking him, like, are you sure what you won't care? And what were some of the fears that you had in relation to your relationship and how it might affect it? That he just might change the way he looked at me and he'd think I was, you know, not as gorgeous as before or just very, you know, superficial kind of things. But just, and very silly thoughts now I look back because he's he's incredible and he did put all those fears to rest. Um... You know, I didn't know what it was going to look like when I lost all my hair and you lose a boob. And as a woman, those two things are a huge in, in a physical sense. Yeah. How did he in take it? Was, was must have been scary for him too. Did, mm. did you have an open discussion about it? Was it a real team effort? Yeah. Yeah, it was. He was um, huge support. And... Uh, yeah, I was very lucky to be able to have those open conversations with him and for him to give me his opinion on, on whatever it might have been. Because um, one of the taboo subjects which young women tell us about is the, the change in uh, well, sexuality and stuff like that uh, and some of the side effects yeah. and how just not really feeling like being intimate because of treatment. Yeah. And, and that is a real fear when you're you've obviously been in a long-term relationship but it's still uh you haven't been married for 30 years and post children so it's still a very important part of a relationship um that didn't I don't know why that didn't really cross my mind I guess I think I was didn't really bother to think about anything anything intimate at the time I just yeah I couldn't and I didn't actually really think about the effect that would have had on us for some reason um Mm. You know, he was fantastic. What about 
so we've talked about the, the, the physical effects. What are some of the worries that you continue to have? Like the, do you have fear of it returning? Do you, what are some of the worries that you think might be different for a, a young woman versus an older? There is a fear of it returning, but just it's, it's very, it's more in the sense if I don't do this, if I don't change a certain, you know, certain aspects of my life, it will return. And so that's now on me to obviously make those changes, which I'm, I'm really working hard to do. And I want to make sure I do. Um, other than that, I don't really have any other fears. I'm, I'm feeling very confident. I'm just, I'm really honestly loving life at the moment. It's given me a new lease on life. So if anything, I'm feeling the opposite of scared. I'm feeling very ready and, and pumped for life. And <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and you've returned to, to work even while you were still undergoing some treatment. Mm. Does that mean that you were obviously feeling well enough? Did you stop work? Can you tell us how it's affected your career or... Yeah, so uh, just before I'd been diagnosed, I'd just gotten a promotion at work. Um, so I was working full-time. Um, after about two weeks after being diagnosed, I'd stopped working completely. Oh, sorry. No, the same week I'd stopped working completely. Um, and I actually didn't go back for a good seven months or so. Um, so I was very fortunate to be able to have stopped working. I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity. Um and yeah, when I when I did start back, I was just about to start radiation, so it was um, it was a bit tough on the body. I'm, I'm lucky work was quite flexible, and they were understanding what was happening, so I couldn't make a shift that was completely fine. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was really good to get back to work and kind of getting a bit of independence back financially, and just getting out and doing my own thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm still at the same place and I'm looking at getting back into full-time work if my body can handle it, if I can, yeah. So are you finding that you have to go slower? What are some of the adjustments that you've had to make? Yeah, um, having naps before, big night out, <laughs> just, yeah, small things like that, just not being out all day and all night um, and working four days a week where I currently am is quite a lot for me at the moment um so yeah the the small things it's just taking it easy and and not being so on the go all the time yeah so as you've connected with other young women what are some of the things that you've shared what are some common grounds that you've experienced I know a lot of it was the hair loss and and the fear of all the physical changes um also the, the the menopause side of things it's you know the hot flushes and the just all the changes that happen in regards so to that. have you uh with premature menopause is that so you're getting hot flushes now are they still some of the that i do you can get, ex- you do get them yeah yeah i do not not as bad as it was um but i, I still definitely do get them um yeah, yeah. There's been a few changes, and just yeah, with the the other women, it's yeah. I think we we all kind of connected and and have common grounds with yeah the beauty side of things and the physical side of things, um, and the, you know, the fear of not working. Um, yeah, they're the most common things. And so, is it comforting to connect with others in the same situation? It is. Yeah, it's it's comforting to know that others feel the same way, and you you're not alone, and you. It's not just you who have those thoughts and, and feelings. 
Um, at the very beginning of being diagnosed, I did connect with a few older women. And I just felt we were kind of on different pages with certain things. So, yeah, to be able to speak with younger women and and have the same yeah, ideas, not on life, but just on, on certain situations, it was, yeah, it was definitely comforting to just reach out and even just talk about the funny things and the, the funny side of... What, what, what are some of the funny sides? What have you been able to laugh at even in these dark, in those dark days? Did you find humour? Off the top of my, I think just like the, the silly things like the chemo brain and, and forgetting strip. Like I think the other day I went and bought, this is still happening, the chemo brain. I'd went and I was supposed to go and buy some toilet paper and I'd bought hand towels instead. <laughs> like, it's just the really ridiculous things you're like, oh crap like it's like <laughs> just yeah really silly things like that yeah so uh what what's the future hold for you because now you're only 24 yeah. so you've got a, a big life ahead of you what what's the the future hold for you I definitely short term I, I want to get back into some full-time work um but now I've been exposed to this, you know, this side of life, the cancer, breast cancer side of life. I definitely want to get more involved and be a voice for, for younger women and, and raising awareness where I can and however I can. Um, and just doing anything and everything that makes me happy. The small things, whether it's work or in my social life and just, yeah, doing anything. <laughs> in some ways, it's probably forced you to grow up really quickly yeah I mean I feel like I was quite mature beforehand but now it's like a it's it's a different kind of mature I'm just I'm more I don't know what the word is there's a word I'm trying to look for are you like a bit more living in the now taking uh, do you not taking things for granted and being yeah being more grateful for for the things in my life and not wanting more more and more and just really living for the moment yeah, yeah, and you're optimistic. That's what I was going for. In your blog, you mentioned that you actually don't remember the person that you were before breast cancer. No. How would you describe yourself now? A lot more resilient, and I know my resilience. I think I, I would have been resilient then. Obviously, I'd just gone through that, but I now know just how strong and resilient I am. I'm a lot more grateful and and proud of my life and the people of my life um and I just I just know not know what I want but I just know what I don't want mm. yeah as part of your blogging you wrote a, a letter to your mm. your previous breast cancer self <laughs> little old her <laughs> what what was the takeaway of that for you when you wrote it to yourself what was the things that really stuck out for you um, I was just so proud of myself. It was I just when I'd it took me such a long time to write that blog. I think I'd honestly started writing it not long after I'd finished chemo. So that was like in November last year, and I just couldn't finish it because I couldn't stop crying. <laughs> and do you think um, that was because it was part of a reflection of what you'd act, how far you'd come? Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, just every stage of it, I as I was writing, I would remember certain moments and how I felt in those moments. Um, and it just make me so upset in a sad way and both also in a happy way that I've come so far and I now feel like this and I feel like such a huge triumph. And, yeah, the release of that letter was 
kind of a weight lifted off my shoulders but it was just like a it was a really proud moment it was like my little baby and I was just so happy to share it with the world and and for people to realize that I've I have come a long way and it's yeah that's the close of one chapter and the beginning of another basically well it was certainly positive to read so thank you for chatting to us thank you on Upfront, which is a proud production of Breast Cancer Network Australia with thanks to Dry July. If you want to know more about breast cancer in young women, there's links to resources on our website, bcna.org.au. This podcast series is intended to provide information, suggestions and discussion. Please contact your health professional with any concerns you might have. The opinions of all our guests are welcome but not necessarily shared by BCNA and we'd love to know your thoughts too, so leave us a message on our feedback page. I'm Kelly Curtin. Thanks for being up front with us.